Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Brighton podcast. We exist to help people love, trust, and follow Jesus in everyday life. We're glad you're here, and thanks for listening. More information on the life and mission of City on a Hill Church can be found at coabrighton.org. That's C-O-A-H-Brighton.org. Well, good evening, Network. Uh, it is a joy to be with you guys. When my family moved up in 2000. And 17, it was uh, a dream uh, in the congregation of Brookline that we would eventually be a network. And through your prayers and care and many of you leaving your churches to help start new churches, we went from one church to four churches in just like three or four years. And so it's by God's grace that we sit all gathered today and online. If you're not feeling well, or you're gathered from afar, we wanna welcome you as well. But uh, this is, you're sitting in God's grace right now. You're sitting in God's grace that we're four congregations united under the gospel. And it's my privilege just to lead our congregation, City on a Hill in Brighton, uh, because of your prayers and your care for us. Um, So tonight, guys, I couldn't find a more appropriate topic for us to talk about than prayer. Prayers we head right after the Christmas day and headed into the new year. And prayer's appropriate as we think about the day after Christmas, right? Because at Christmas, we remember the incarnation, how God came to be with us, right? He's our Emmanuel, God with us. And praying is asking God to be incarnate again, in a way. It's asking him to show up and act on our behalf. And if we're honest in this room, there might be many things that you're asking God to do or you're wanting him to do on your behalf. Many of us have may have had a great Christmas, but many of you may have struggled over this Christmas holiday, being away from family and loved ones. You may have lost a loved one this past year. You might be at home because you're battling COVID or you have a stomach bug or the flu and you're not feeling well. Maybe something happened in your marriage or with a child this past year. And this evening, I really want you to see God's heart for you to be invited to come to him in prayer. So let's look at what Jesus teaches us about prayer as we think about God being incarnate, meaning coming to us and making his self known to us in our life and in our prayers. If you take notes, which we encourage our congregation to do often, this is the main point of today's message, which is also the sermon title. And it's this, our heavenly father invites childlike prayer. Our heavenly father welcomes childlike prayer. Let's look at verse seven and eight as we begin together. Jesus says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened to you. And these words are really powerful, aren't they? Like this is a really powerful invitation from Jesus. Like I want you to take a moment and just suspend your experience with these verses for a moment. Like whether you're hearing them for the very first time or for the millionth time this evening, like listen to them again, but with a fresh perspective. Like imagine for a moment you're a child And you're responding to these verses around Christmas time. Like if a parent or a guardian knelt their knee and they shared these gentle truths with their child around Christmas and they said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. 
knock and it will be opened to you. For child, everyone who asks receives. For everyone who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened to you. Man, if you were in that metaphor, thinking about being a child, being asked of that of your parent on Christmas, you would be psyched. The child would be ecstatic. Ask and you'll receive. Mom and dad, I can just seek and I'll find it. I, I just knock and the door will be opened and what I want's behind there. Jesus is inviting you and I to come to him in the same childlike way in this text. And Jesus is very emphatic about it. See what I mean? Look at the verse again. See, I want you to see the, the tense that Jesus is using here to get his point across. He's using sort of in the Greek original language, this present imperative tense, which just literally means keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. Do you see how emphatic he is? He's almost like a cheerleader in the crowd saying, you can do it, keep on going. He's inviting you into something huge here. In other words, if Jesus were from where I was born, you would hear Jesus say, keep on keeping on. Shows you where I'm from, then the South of North Carolina. And the progression even intensifies in this passage, doesn't it? He moves from asking to seeking to knocking. There's a progression there. Asking is just simply verbally requesting. Hey, may I have this? That's kind of level one. Level two is when you start seeking, you don't just ask for it respectfully, but you begin to actively look for it. And then knocking is just this aggressive pursuit where you're sort of banging on a metaphorical door until someone opens it and God is telling you to keep on keeping on. And my friends, this is how we are called to pray. And Jesus is eagerly inviting us to pray to him in this way. So let me ask you a question as we begin this. What is something that your heart has lost touch with to pray anymore because you felt like you never found it, he never opened it, or you never received it? What's that thing you stopped praying about in your marriage, your parenting with your job, that dream or that hope that was good gospel-centered, God-glorifying? Is there something that you stopped praying because you felt like God didn't answer, didn't hear you? And you hear Jesus whisper again, ask more. I'm hearing you. I'm listening. Ask, seek, knock. Because in case we missed the emphasis here, Jesus goes even further in verse eight. Guys, he literally repeats himself again. In verse eight, he says, everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Like Jesus is literally the point of origin for the phrase, say it louder for the people in the back. Like this is where it starts from is Jesus saying it again and again and again. He's literally saying, seek, ask, knock, you'll receive, you'll find, it will be opened. I want to briefly point out that anytime you see a repetition or this parallel phrasing in the Greek or Hebrew language, the person who's writing it is trying to communicate a deep desire for them to be believed, for them to be understood and taken at their word. So you literally feel Jesus to you tonight, Koa Network. He's wanting you to believe again. He's wanting you to trust again. Where you've knocked and you didn't sense him answer, 
How do you know he's still not going to answer? Where you've lost hope in that marriage, that relationship, that hardship, the healing. He's inviting you again. He wants to be believed. He wants to be understood. He wants to be trusted in this. And you'll see as we continue through this passage, how God works powerfully through prayer. It's just as if Jesus is in the text thread with all of us in Slack channel, and he's putting in all caps in the text, ask me, seek me, knock. Now listen, you know who practices Jesus' words better than anyone in this room is children. All children are really good at practicing asking, seeking, and knocking constantly. If you've ever been around a child, you've seen this firsthand, haven't you? Uh, They have this Jedi mastery of continually asking and seeking and knocking. It's like they're professionals at this and they don't grow weary at asking. Exhibit A, right? Uh, Parents, have you ever dared, tried to use the bathroom in privacy and you had the audacity to shut the door for a few moments in privacy and then what do you hear? Pitter-patter, 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 up to the door. Bang, 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 bang. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, are you in there? Bang, 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 bang. I'm hungry. Where's my cookies? Bang, bang, bang. Are you done? I'm almost done. Give me a minute. Bang, bang, bang. Where's my fruit snack, right? Like we've all experienced the seeking, the asking, the knocking. Or exhibit B. Have you ever seen a child, they, they want something from the parent after church. When you're in a conversation, if you have a child, mom, 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 mom. Dad, 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 dad. When are we going to leave? When can we go home? I'm tired. My feet hurt. Do I have to wear my shoes? I don't want to do this anymore. Constant asking, seeking. And children, we love this about you. Keep doing it. You're making Jesus' point very clear for us. And I can tell that some of you understand what I'm saying because when I said it, there's like 30 eyes that just twitched as I said all this. Guys, children know how to ask for things. And children have zero hesitation about it. And if they don't think that you've heard them, what will they do? They'll they'll ask again and again and again until what? They receive it. And one of my friends, Pastor Stephen, says they're like a heat-seeking missile in this way. They are relentless after their target. Asking, seeking, knocking. And now that's why it makes sense, right? that Jesus would use the illustration of a child asking his father for bread in this teaching, doesn't it? It makes sense. Because Jesus knows the heart of a child. And here's what he's doing, Koa. He's seeking to develop that same heart in you tonight. A heart that relentlessly comes to him, continually trusts him, and always is asking and seeking and knocking. Because here's what I mean. A child's heart thinks of their loving parent this way. Here's what they think. They think, hmm, I, I want something. I want Legos. I want a fruit snack. I want to watch Moana for the 5,000th time. Maybe that's just my home. I want something. And I believe that you, mom or dad or guardian, can give it to me. They think I have a need and you can meet it easily. So without hesitation, they think that you can provide it for them. So they ask boldly and incessantly. And you know one of the main reasons they do this, right? 
because a child knows that their parent is both this, listen, both easily accessible and abundantly able to help them. Do you see that? A child believes their parent, a healthy parent is easily accessible and abundantly able to help them. And so they ask, they believe. And the question is, do you believe God is that way? Do you believe that your God, the Emmanuel, who has come incarnate to be with us is easily acceptable to you? He's accessible because of the cross. His death paid so you could be close to him. Do you believe he's accessible and abundantly able to care for you and your needs? This is exactly the point that Jesus is making in this text. God is saying to us, come, come to me. Ask me boldly. Come knock at my door. I want to hear from you. I am accessible to you and I'm abundantly able to help you in your need. God calls himself a father to us in this way. And it's his joy and delight to answer us. One pastor that's one of my favorites, Tim Keller, which we often uh, sort of collectively, I think that's, you have to be in the Cohen network if you're willing to recite him in a sermon, I think is the rule. Of course, it's a joke, but we often do that. This is one of the quotes he says about this passage. Tim Keller says, the only person who dares to wake up a king in the middle of the night asking him for a glass of water is the child of that king because she knows her daddy is both willing and able to help her. And Jesus is saying that we have that kind of access and abundance in God. And God has that kind of heart with you and with me. And church, the question is, do you, do you believe this? Like, do you actually believe the heart of this? Because the way that Jesus is writing it, he's being so redundant because the people struggle to believe it. So he writes it over and over in different ways. Ask, seek, knock. That's three different ways for him to communicate. And then he repeats it again. And then he gives us a metaphor, which we'll close with in a little while because they struggle to believe. And the question is, folks, do you believe that God is accessible and abundant to care for whatever you're facing this evening? Whatever you faced this past year, accessible and close and able. This is God's invitation for you and I tonight to draw closer to him. God wants us to communicate with him in such a way that we trust him as a father, just like you maybe would talk to a loved parent, a loved guardian, a loved grandparent. He wants you to speak to him in this way. So he uses this childlike metaphor. In fact, there's an author who wrote on prayer. His name is Paul Miller. And his book called A Praying Life, he says this about prayer. I'll put it on the screen. I want to read this to you. It says this. Prayer is asking God to incarnate, to come among us, to get dirty in your life. Yes, the eternal God scrubs the floors of our life. For sure, we know he washes feet. So take Jesus at his word, literally go to him, ask him, dare to ask him big and ask him again. Tell him what you want. Get dirty, write out your prayer requests. Don't mindlessly drift 
through life on the American narcotic of busyness. If you try to seize the day, the day will eventually break you. So seize the corner of his garment instead and don't let go until he blesses you. He will answer. Koa, do you really believe this? Like, do you trust his words here? Pray like a child. Ask, seek, knock, without reserve, without hesitation. For God loves to commune with his children in their requests and give them good gifts. For that's why he invites you to come to him, isn't it? For a deep and a mutual joy in one another. Now, I know as we walk through this text, there's a, there's a huge problem in our hearts when we read this, isn't there? Somewhere along life's journey, we stopped being like children for the adults in the room. We grew up, didn't we? We aren't children anymore. Life happened to us. Reality hit us. We lost our way and our childlike trust in God and his words here, didn't we? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. What's it seem like to you? It may seem like a cheap fortune cookie phrase now, doesn't it? Something we as modern theologians and churchgoers, we tend to overthink and we analyze away as some really nice thought. As like we think, well, God is just going to do his will anyway, right? So we conclude, why pray at all? And so we just lose our childlike wonder and our childlike trust in God. See, as grownups, we're, we're not free like children. As grownups, we're busy with our jobs and our, our families and the stresses of what happens each day. And when we sit down to pray, everything in us just screams out, I'm too busy. I've got things to do. I've got checklists and I've got to do something productive. Like, for example, prayer's not productive but our body screams out, prayer is a waste of time. I must do something to control my life and my circumstances. Why pray? He didn't answer for that thing in the past. There's no purpose in doing that. Does he hear me anyway? He might well do his own will. And this is what we tell ourselves: Grownups are busy, but children, what Jesus is trying to help us see, but children are free to connect. They're free to trust and relate and depend and ask. Grown-ups are self-sufficient, but children are, are so dependent. As adults, we don't want to ask for things. We don't want help. It'll make us seem vulnerable or, or weak. And so we'd rather go to a friend or we want to go to Google or you know, we want to have some theology to help us through our problems, but we don't. We don't come to the Lord in fervent prayer we don't wrestle this way. We don't make lists and ask and look in the scriptures and unpack it. We don't, we don't do this. Some of us even just worry and we call that prayer. We just stress about it. And then in community group, we say, yeah, I've been praying about that. You haven't, you've just been anxious. We don't actually take God and trust him with his word. And he's telling us tonight, even with the cynicism that's crept in from your experiences, he wants you to read these verses again and hear him say, ask me again, seek me again, knock again. Because either your prayer 
will change your circumstance or God will use your prayer to change you. Your prayer is always effective in the hands of God. He will change your circumstance or change you and your perspective on your circumstance. And as we unpack this, I want you to see how beautiful and good and kind this type of father is. So it seems too easy just to ask, just to knock. And our experiences tell us that God may not care because he didn't answer when we prayed for that relative that passed away or prayed for that baby in our womb to remain alive and it passed away. We asked for that job or that raise or for this thing to happen in our life and God didn't answer. We assume he didn't care or he delayed or denied some response and we just grow cynical. We grow cold and tired and we don't want to pray. And in this text, I just want you to feel the warmth and the urgency of God inviting you back this year. Right after the day of the celebration of the incarnation of God, he's saying, I want to incarnate even further and show up in your life. And guys, I want you to trust him like this. I want you to feel his heart towards you. I want you to feel it. So guys, what's interesting about these verses is not how easy they are to comprehend because they're not complex, right? Ask, seek, knock. It's not hard. But what's hard is our complex experiences with this text. These words are simple, but our experiences are complex. So then rather seeking God, we'll seek out a family member or a friend or Google for strategies on to help first. When God is saying to you tonight, ask, seek, knock, but we do it on every door, but his. My friends, if that's, if that's you and you've grown cynical towards God and you think he didn't answer me because he doesn't care or that he must not be good to me because he's delayed something really good that I prayed for, he doesn't want to answer my prayers. If you're like that, if you're like how I am at times, even as a pastor, then God has a really precious word for you in the next few verses. Do you want to hear it? This is good news cynical heart, tired heart, weary heart, heart that has abandoned prayer. This is good news for you. Jesus continues in the next two verses, giving us two illustrations, describing a young boy's trust in a relationship with his dad. And asking two rhetorical questions, Jesus says this. He says to the crowd, hey, hey which one of you Speaking to the parents in the room, Jesus would be doing, which one of you, that is to say loving father, if you have a son and he asks you for bread, would you give him a stone instead? Now think about your child asking you for bread and you giving them a stone or them asking you for a Christmas present and you said, no, I'll just give you a lump of coal or whatever the thing may be. Think about your answer for a reason. If your child just asked simply for bread, would you give him a stone? Now, any good father, parent, guardian, the obvious answer to this question is no. No loving father or parent would deceive their son by giving them a stone that looked like bread. 
even if the son discovered the deception before breaking his tooth off in the stone, he would be heartbroken by his father's cruelty, wouldn't he? So in this text, Jesus is simply teaching us here that God is a good father who delights to give us good things. And when we ask for good things, he won't in turn give us something evil. We'll unpack that more in a moment. So Jesus continues. He gives the other illustration. Or what if a son does this? If the son asks for a fish, will the father give him a serpent instead? Fish or serpent? Now, the idea is not that the snake would be alive or poisonous and therefore cause physical danger to this son. But the suggestion is that the snake would be cooked to look like ordinary meat. And unlike the stone, it would meet the physical needs of the son who is hungry. But because snakes were among the unclean animals, snakes were not to be eaten by the Jewish people. A loving Jewish father would not deceive and defile his son into dishonoring the word of God by tricking him into eating ceremonially unclean food. So what am I getting at with these two illustrations? Listen, Jesus is simply showing us that a good father seeks to care for both our physical and the spiritual needs of you, his children. Jesus is teaching that God the Father will not give something to his children that will either bring ultimate ruin or spiritual harm to them. Ultimate ruin would be like, here's the bread, but it's tricked to be like a rock. Kid bites into it, breaks their teeth, it's ruin. Jesus is saying, I will not have something that you ask for that brings you ultimate ruin. And then I also won't deceive you by bringing you spiritual harm through what you ask or pray for. Now, don't miss the point here. Here in this text, these few little verses, lies the key to why God sometimes delays or denies your prayers. Right here is where it's found. Sometimes God delays or denies our prayers. Listen, because you have asked for something that may have served you as a stone or a serpent. In asking for that new job, to get into that new school, to keep that dating relationship afloat, you have unknowingly asked God for a stone or a serpent, thinking that it would be bread or fish to you if you would receive it. But if you got it, it would bring ultimate harm or spiritual ruin to you. So God didn't grant it. So in this, we learn that God is not a genie. God is not a genie from like the movie Aladdin where you just kind of rub the lamp, get your three wishes. And if you remember the movie where Aladdin got some wishes that weren't good for him, weren't good for the people around him. Genie is not a God in this way. God is good. He doesn't give out stones and snakes, even if you are convinced that they would be bread and fish in your life. Other times, God doesn't answer your specific request because he's simply bringing about something better in your life. So why doesn't God show up the way we want him to at times? Listen, sometimes God doesn't show up for you because he wants to show off for you 
his love and his plans in greater ways. Maybe that's why God didn't show up the way you'd hope he did because he wants to show off for you something greater. Do you guys remember the story of Lazarus and Jesus? Lazarus had a really close friend or Jesus had a really close friend, Lazarus, who became extremely sick and he died because Jesus didn't show up when Mary and Martha called out to him. You guys remember this? John 11 verse four. But when Jesus heard the request to come to Lazarus dying aid, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of man may be glorified through it. But if you are familiar with the story, what happens? Lazarus does die. Jesus denies the prayer request of his friends, Mary and Martha. Jesus could have healed, but he let Lazarus die. He denied the prayer request. Why? He didn't show up in their request so he could show up better for their good and his glory. Jesus ended up raising Lazarus from the dead, proving an ultimate love and power that he had in this world. A love and power that Mary and Martha needed to understand because all of their hope was in Lazarus. And Jesus was saying, no, 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 you don't need this man to give all you this hope and power. You need me. You don't need your brother to provide and protect for you alone. You need me. So God didn't show up in this way so he could show out in another way to do something better for Mary and Martha. So why does God delay or deny your, my prayer request sometimes? So that he may show off for you his love and his plans in greater ways. Uh, This topic sometimes is a real pain point for me, just to be honest with you. I've been a pastor for about a decade now Uh, newly in Boston for the past four years. And uh, in church circles, often we can really over-spiritualize everything. And if you know my wife and I's story, we've been unable to have uh, biological children for eight years and have sought medical doctors and have uh, treatments. And it's always hard when you watch all of your friends be able to get pregnant. And I remember one day in our church, a story that, that for familiar for my wife and I, it's often a pain moment that we're having a really, really tough week. Just rejection after rejection and doctor saying no after no. And this is just a big longing of our heart. And I remember three friends on the same day came and told me that they were pregnant. We rejoiced with as much as we could in our heart because we know that children are a gift of God. Amen. But my heart hurt. Why did God hear them? He didn't hear me. Was I not good enough? Am I not sufficient enough to be a dad? Is it because of all the sins I've done in the past? What's wrong with me? It's gotta be something insufficient about me, right? And I'd pray and I'd pray and I'd pray and I'd pray. Month turned into year and I'm on year eight. Our family moved to Boston in 2017 with this wound in our heart and people would pray for us and God would answer no. People would pray for us and God would answer no. They would even tell us, hey, if I lay hands on you and pray, it's going to happen. And it didn't. My heart, hope would rise and fall and rise and fall. And when I read stuff like this, ah, seek, knock, it just felt like a fortune cookie to me. 
Have you ever felt that way? And you just kind of want to give up on praying. You're like, oh, God will just do his will, whatever. That's how my heart felt. We moved to Boston two months after we had moved here. We were on a small little getaway, my wife and I, and there was a really strange way for this to go down, but there's a couple that knew of our family, what we've been praying about, and knew that we were pursuing foster care, which was separately related from our desire to have biological children. We wanted to pursue foster care and adoption ever since my wife and I were both were younger. But as we were sort of at this retreat, a couple came up to us and said, hey, there's a little girl in need of a permanent home. She's in a foster home right now. Would you be willing to meet her and maybe see what the Lord does? That girl would end up being my daughter, Kiana, which many of you have helped in Koa kids and loved and prayed for. And then even through that prayer, Kiana would one day have a babysitting uh, time with a foster family and another little girl would be in that home. And Kiana came home one day and she went into one of the extra bedrooms in our house and she, as a little girl, prayed for a sister. The little girl she met at the babysitting hangout that day. That little girl also needed a permanent home. That little girl just became my adopted daughter a few weeks ago. Her name is Shisera. I share these things because the wound is still in my heart that God didn't answer my prayer, but I, I can sense why he didn't answer the prayer. God wanted to bring two little ones into my home that my eyes would not have been open to, my heart would have not been ready for. So God denied something in order to give something greater. He said no, so a better yes could come for our good in his glory. So we keep asking and we keep knocking, but we trust that if he doesn't answer or he denies, what's the reason? It's so his glory could be made better known and your good could be further established. My friends, this is what keeps us trusting. It keeps the engine on the train of prayer moving forward and keeping going. The two reasons God often delays or denies our prayers is for God's glory to be further revealed or your good further established. And friends, that's what he's telling us in these verses. I'm not gonna give you something that's gonna bring you ruin or harm. And if I withhold, it's because I'm holding something better for you in the future. Do you see this good father? Do you see him? If you felt like he's withholding, maybe he's doing it for a greater purpose. So maybe you're hearing this and you've got some pain, some things you didn't feel like God came through with. My friend, the hope is for you and I that God does answer prayers and the ultimate answer of our prayer is completed and fulfilled in glory for you. All wounds, all aches, every failed prayer, every failed marriage, every failed relationship, every whatever the case may be, you'll be restored and renewed in heaven. So even if he doesn't give it on earth, it is yours and glory to come. So are you weary of praying? Are you tired of praying? Guys, don't lose childlike trust. God may deny your plea in order to supply something greater later. Tim Keller again provides this quote and I love it. He says this, God will either give you what you ask for in prayer or give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything God knows.
God will not give you a stone or a serpent, even if you asked, because he knows what you really need is bread or fish. My friends, Jesus even knows what it is to have a prayer request denied. Lean in and draw strength from the account of Luke 22. Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw. This was his disciples and he knelt down and he prayed. He prayed this prayer, Father, if you're willing, would you remove this cup from me or this coming crucifixion from me, the separation that I'm going to have from you because of my sins. He's asking God the Father for this. But then Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And there being an agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Do you realize that that prayer that Jesus prayed went unanswered? He was given a no. Why was Jesus given a no? So that your deepest need in God would be answered with a yes. Amen? You and I needed a savior. You and I needed Christ to go to that cross. And so Jesus knew his prayer would be denied for something greater. So my friends, when Jesus does not answer with a yes, it's for his greater glory and for your greater good. Can you trust that? Can you trust that? If you can trust that, then you can keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking because if you don't get it, you know it's for his glory and you know it's for your good. And keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking and you start watching things happen in your life, your family, our churches, and we watch prayer take over our city. Amen? An unanswered prayer might be one of the greatest answers God can give to us. Jesus concludes this teaching in verse 11. He says to the parents in the room, if you then, parents who are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, then I love this. He says, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more? We just celebrated Christmas, right? Parents, part of our favorite, uh, our guardians, part of your favorite piece of Christmas is when you often give this gift to your child and you watch the joy on their face. You enjoyed giving them a good gift. And Jesus says, even us who are sinful people, humanity, if we know how to give good gifts and give our children joy, then doesn't he know how even more? So an answered or an unanswered prayer is still a packaged up gift, whether it's known or unknown. And it motivates you to keep asking, seeking or knocking because you know his answer or his denial is for his glory and your ultimate good. As in the previous chapter, Jesus uses the phrase, how much more to describe God's love for his children. Our divine, loving, merciful, gracious father who is in heaven has no limit on his treasure and no bounds to a goodness. He is willing to bestow his treasure on his children to him who ask. That is why Ephesians 1.3 says that children of God are blessed with every spiritual blessing offered by the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. The most naturally selfless relationship among human beings is that of healthy parents for their children, healthy guardians for their children. Parents are more likely to sacrifice for their children, even to the point of giving up their lives 
for any other person in the world. Yet the greatest human parental love cannot compare with God's love for you. There is no limit to what our heavenly father can give to us when we ask in obedience according with his will. The truth Jesus is proclaiming to us here is if imperfect, sinful human fathers are so willing and freely to give their children basic needs of life, then won't God do much more to outdo them, outmeasure them in benefit and goodness? My friends, seeing God as your real, good, present, active, heavenly father, it changes the way you pray. It changes what you ask of him and it changes your relationship. Guys, tonight as we wrap up, God is inviting you into a conversation with him where you can be fully seen and, and known and loved. Guys, in prayer, you unpack every fear and worry, concern, trouble, praise, prayer, joy, passion you have. And the hope is that he, he hears you. This is the truth. And he responds every time, either with a yes or a no for your goodness, glory. The reward of prayer is getting God himself. The blessings that come from his response to us. In fact, that's what prayer is. It's a continuous, conscious, personal communication with God of the universe that can happen at any time, anywhere, with anything. And it's through this communication that you experience God in more deep and meaningful ways and how he brings his kingdom on earth. So let me ask you, what this year, what big, crazy, audacious, kingdom-sized prayers will you start praying? You hear him emphatic. He's repeating it over and over. Let me ask you, Koa Network, online, listen. What crazy, big, audacious, kingdom-sized prayers will you start praying for? Guys, just to be honest, I, I preached a similar message like this to our congregation last year. And I put huge prayers. I prayed for five specific of my friends to come to faith in Christ. And over the course from, uh, I preached something similar on December the 5th. And what are we today? The 26th. All five of those people have come to faith in Christ. We baptized three of them in my church. My grandfather was one of those. He died when he was 96 years old, professed faith in Christ the last week of his life. And then just the other month, I got to share with our church that my apartment complex manager, Tom, you might even be watching this online. I told you that our church is praying for you. And Tom, my apartment manager, 64, who's dying of cancer in the hospital, placed his faith in Christ. So he has eternal life with God. This is the hope of prayer. When we ask God and we pursue and ask and ask, God moves. Guys, will you test him this way? We asked it, God, would you do something powerful in our family? Would you bring children who are in need of a home? And people literally came up to us saying, I've heard of this child. Would you bring them in? Guys, what can you pray for? I want you to dream again. I want you to hope again. I want you to hear this father sit down and say, come over to me, tell me. What are you weary with? What have you quit on? Ask me, seek me, knock. I'm not gonna give you a stone. I'm not gonna give you a serpent. I'm not gonna bring you harm. I'm not gonna bring you ruin. This is an invitation to come again, to breathe in afresh and trust this God again. This God who came in flesh 
wants to come in your life afresh for your good and his glory. He wants to hear from you, church. What big, bold, audacious prayers are you gonna pray? And then next year, when we gather again, I wanna hear from you. How did he answer? How did he answer? What do you do in your life, your marriage, your singleness, your home, your work? What do you do? What'd you ask him? Did you journal it? I'd love, I wish I could just take another 30 minutes, which I won't. I know, I won't. I wish I could take 30 minutes to just walk you through my journal to show you, to cross off, put the date, put my smiley faces, put my woohoos next to the answered prayers to just show you what he's done. It's wild. May we not give up on this. We get to be with him and talk to him and watch him move. Guys, would you do this? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened to you. Let's pray.